I'm Marianne Kolbisak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Tim Andrews, who is Chief Operating Officer and co-founder of the Organization for Review of Care and Health Applications, or ORCHA. Tim will be speaking to me about the new digital health assessment framework developed by ORCHA, the American Telemedicine Association, and the American College of Physicians for assessing data privacy and security of digital health technologies, including mobile apps and web-based tools used by healthcare providers and consumers. So Tim, for starters, please tell us a little bit about the new digital health assessment framework. Why did ORCHA, ATA, and ACP create it, and who is it directed at? When we first started talking to ATA, actually, originally, we'd already established digital health assessment frameworks in different parts of the world, obviously, notably in the UK where we started. But then we'd, we'd been working in different areas around Europe, particularly in Holland and, and across the Nordics and um, Israel and New Zealand. And we'd just started um, working in Canada as well. And throughout that time, obviously, we'd had lots and lots of engagement with different organizations from the US. And it was clear that there wasn't a clear framework that was being used to help organizations understand you know, whether uh, digital health technologies uh, met key standards um, over, over in the US. And so that was the genesis of the idea, really, working with ATA. So well, maybe we could leverage what we've already done in the UK and then all those different jurisdictions um, and see whether that would work with a, you know, with a suitable tailoring to the US market. And that was the, that was the genesis of the idea. And really, it's designed to support, ultimately, the aim was to try and design, uh, design a, a framework that could be used by anybody who needed to be assured of whether a digital health technology was ultimately safe and effective to use. So that could be theoretically end users, but normally it was envisaged that it would be used by an intermediary, usually in that sense, a healthcare professional or a healthcare organization that was looking to engage with those products and, and make recommendations to, you know, to patients or, um, you know, or end users in, in a different context. That was the rationale behind it. That was what we were trying to achieve and, and create something that was um, consistent as far as possible with other international standards, but was also tailored to the US um, specific context. Tim, with that said, how should the framework be used and what is the goal of the framework? So the framework is built with a, a few core principles, you know, embedded in it that we apply to all the assessments that we, you know, we support the development of. So it's designed to be uh, capable of delivering a, a very objective analysis. So it's it's heavily evidence based. So most of the elements of the framework are, are designed to be very clear yes no responses, where yes is evidenced by a you know, particular criteria uh, that being being achieved or, or demonstrated. The framework is also designed to allow for all sorts of digital health technologies to be assessed in the same model, but dynamically adjusting, you know, the model kind of dynamically adjusts to reflect the different risk profiles and different characteristics of different digital health technologies. Because obviously they can range from very simple solutions. I always use the example of Brush DJ, which is a, a digital health technology in the UK that 
plays music for two minutes to encourage kids to brush their teeth. Very, very simple, not a huge risk profile, all the way up to um, a product like Sleepio, which is a much more sophisticated product, or a FibriCheck, which you know um, detects atrial fibrillation. So very different ends of the spectrum. So the assessment framework has been designed to be able to cope with those simple and very complex. And the way it does that is it kind of automatically, or it's capable of being used, used in a way that automatically adjusts the assessment criteria that gets applied dependent on the, the level of complexity and the functionality of a, a, a product. So that can be picked up and used by any organisation who wants to follow that assessment framework. And it's been designed in that way to be completely open and available to anybody to use independently. Of course, Orca also use it for providing assessments under that framework uh, for developers and for organisations in the US who want us to do that work for them. And so there's, those are the pr principal two ways in which it can be used. It can be used independently by anybody or people can come to Walker and, and we will use it to assess products um, directly. Tim, how does the framework address privacy and security issues in mobile health apps and other sort of digital health IT? Yeah, so the framework is orientated around four primary, what we call compliance domains or assessment domains, one of which is data and privacy. There are three others, um, professional assurance, which covers medical regulation and um, evidence type of criteria, usability and accessibility requirements. And then there's a, an, an added layer, uh, which you can add on, which is around security and technical stability. The data and privacy area is very much focused on. So the first thing that the assessment framework does is it ascertains what's the data characteristics of a digital health product. So that looks like looks at all of the kinds of data that, that the digital product is collecting, you know, all the way from just registration information right the way through to cookies, etc. And having established a good view of what the data footprint of uh, or data characteristics of that product is, it then seeks, it will then go through a sequence of questions that relates to that data uh, data footprint. So looking at how that data is being used, who is being shared with, and then of course, all of the things that flow from that. How are end users informed of this? Are they informed properly through a privacy policy? What are the kinds of um, alerts and, and notifications that they get when about the way that data is being collected and used? Do they have controls over the data, et cetera? And a key, and of course, what one of the things that, you know, that was, Originally, when we developed those uh, the data and privacy assessment domains in in the UK and Europe, obviously it was based on GDPR, which was the primary regulation. But the principles are very similar. There are just some you know very specific things within GDPR, for example, that aren't applicable in the in the, in the US. And what we had to do with the US side, of course, is look at HIPAA and say what could we take from the uh, the HIPAA principles and build that in, into the the framework for the US. How does the framework help address issues related to HIPAA and GDPR, for instance? So the framework will give you um, a good, a, a very strong indication of compliance with, obviously in the UK and the U European context, it would be GDPR, but in the US context, it's HIPAA. Now, a lot of the debate during the development of the framework with ATA and then with the, AC, the guys at ACP and others coming in during its development process was you know, technically HIPAA doesn't necessarily apply uh, in a regulatory sense to lots of digital uh, technologies. And so 
one of the first debating points we had was should HIPAA be included or shouldn't it? And the general consensus we got from all of the different stakeholders that we engaged with was that there was a sense that the HIPAA requirements you know, should be being evaluated, notwithstanding that they might not technically apply from a regulatory perspective uh, to all of the digital technologies. And so that's one of the policy, I guess, policy components that sort of inherent in the framework. At the end of that analysis, you should have a pretty good view about whether a product meets all of those requirements that you know, HIPAA stipulates. And Tim, can this framework be used with other frameworks, such as the NIST cybersecurity framework or other frameworks? And if so, how? So one of the things about the framework is that, and all of the frameworks that we develop are that they are to an extent umbrella approaches that bring in other standards and other frameworks to an extent. So Obviously, we already talked in the data and privacy context, we can look at things like GDPR is, is embedded in or HIPAA is embedded into the framework as the principal components of what we're looking for in terms of compliance in those areas. Similarly, if you look at the usability and accessibility, we leverage things like the web content access guidelines, uh, which, are, which is you know the kind of the usability and accessibility framework. And in the security side, we look at things like high trust or ISO 27001. The idea behind this framework is that we, we can leverage those other existing environments and, and certification processes sometimes as part of a, gen, a general overview of the, of the product. Because the thing about digital health technologies, of course, is that they require such a breadth of assessment across all of those different areas. So you can so to a large extent, a lot of those frameworks are already sort of built in. Where they're not, then you obviously can kind of leverage them alongside this framework. And that would give you an, an additional layer of assurance in, a, in a, given, a given space, such as the one you gave, the example you just gave. And finally, Tim, anything you can tell us about the technical security and stability domain of the framework and what it addresses? That is it's an optional component. So the core elements that are always going to be part of the framework of the, the three other domains I've talked about, data and privacy, professional assurance and usability and accessibility. And the reason why technical security and um, technical stability is an optional extra is it's the one area that requires developers or you know, digital health technology owners to engage with the process to provide the information that you would need to, to establish some degree of comfort. So it will look at things like penetration and vulnerability testing, It'll look for compliance with things like OWASP top 10 sort of risks and that kind of stuff. Um, within that, it's split really between looking at, on the technical security side, it's looking at both the application security, but also the organizational security. So that's where things like the ISO 27001 or High Trust or SOC 2 would come in, that kind of thing. So it's a matrix in, in, in that assessment area is a bit of a matrix. The more risky the product is, the more is expected of it in terms of the security credentials and the technical stability credentials. And, and that's a theme that you'll see running through um, other areas such as evidence where, again, if it's a, the lower the risk, the lower the evidential demand. But at the top end, you're looking for you know, good, high quality evidence to, to demonstrate the efficacy. Um, so that's a theme that runs through a number of the different areas as well. Well, thank you very much, Tim. I've been speaking to Tim Andrews. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.